of Abraham. Now, you know, Abraham took things in his own hands. He said, oh, I don't think God knows everything, so I think I'll help out a little bit. And here came Ishmael. Woo. And thank you very much, Abraham. But anyway, Isaac went through some of the same stuff that Abraham went through. I understand that Rebecca was barren. So was Sarah. And then uh, Abraham was scared at one time and, and uh, said, Sarah is my sister and she's not my wife. Also, Isaac was scared in this same chapter and said that Rebecca is my sister. And I love it. The king's looking out and he sees Isaac sporting with Rebecca. And says, hey, that's your wife. What do you mean lying to us? Somebody could have laid with your wife. And we would have been in real big trouble here. And then he repents and says, you're right. She is my wife. I was just scared. And he had no idea that his dad, unless his dad told him. Maybe that's where he got his idea. I don't know. But he repented from it. And then, when he repented from doing wrong, is when the Lord said, And Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold. And that, that, that didn't stop just right there. And the Lord blessed him, meaning Isaac. He didn't just give him a hundredfold back on what he sowed. The Lord blessed Isaac. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. And for he had possession of flocks and possession of herds and great store of servants. Do you understand what great store of servants is? He had a great number of servants. He didn't have to bang this thing I need some help. I need some help in the in the children's church. I need some help on the worship team. I need some help. You understand what the Lord's saying here? Now, when Byron and I got up at the first of the year and Byron had to read and, and I explained, um, that's exactly what the Lord said to us then, that he was going to bless us with plenty of help. And, and and right now, we are struggling with some help, you know. We're struggling with some help at the school. We're struggling at some help here. But I believe whenever what Doug was reading, when we go down and dig up that dirt, the enemy throwed into the hole, that, that everything that the Lord said here for Isaac is going to come true. You need to understand that. He's going to bless you with... In the other uh, chapter that we read, um, it said that there was going to be men where men weren't and that flocks were going to uh, dwell where flocks hadn't dwelled. So that that's a really good encouragement. I think that that's going to be part of Jim. Jim's going to send men where men hadn't been yet. 
and they're going to establish flocks where flocks hadn't, hadn't been. Now, is that a God that's struggling with the economy? And we're not either. So I just wanted to share that with you one more time this morning, that the Lord... And I want to just tell you one thing, and I'm not bragging when I say this. I want you to know that the Lord gave me a farm. And it's going to be paid for. It's free and clear. The transaction will take place the 17th of this month. Now, Dean knows the transaction, and, and I've, you know, I marveled at it. And Dean says, oh, it happens all the time. I said, Dean... You don't know the people that this came through. It, they don't just give things away. They don't, and they didn't give me this. We got it in trade. You understand that? I, I want you to understand that. We got it in trade. But I thought that I had lost. Um, I had sold my farm in Troutman. And I really was distraught about it and repented about it. And I thought, well. I'll never see one again. You know, my chances were absolutely nothing to get one because I'd already tried to, to borrow the money. Now, why am I telling you this? Is I'm trying to encourage you that God is going to bless you. He's going to bless you a hundredfold in your crops, and then He's going to bless you. You know, the Bible says faith comes by hearing. Amen. And if you would hear the Lord speaking to you, that's where faith comes from. That's how we receive everything from God is through, through our faith. But you have to believe. If you, if you disbelieve, it doesn't work. <laughs> right? So who's got faith in here this morning to believe what the Lord's saying? Stand up. Amen. If you got faith, if you don't, you don't have to stand up. You know, because faith comes from God. You don't have to muster it up. You hear what I'm saying? It ain't like you've got to try to get this faith going and blah, blah, blah. That's stupid. It is a gift. So, Lord, you see the people standing up. They're standing before you, believing they have faith for whatever in their personal life. Lord, with Chuck, as he testified, it was a farm that was in his heart, Lord. He lost the one he had, and he repented for losing it, Lord. And you you've, have really blessed him. And even though Dean says stuff like that happens all the time, it doesn't happen all the time for Chuck. Lord, and it ain't happened all the time for me and Jim and anybody else who's looking for whatever. So, Father, we're going to believe you this morning for whatever it is in our heart. Okay, it is the Lord what he's saying. I had a tremendous thing to happen to me this year. Is my number one prayer request that I had for years was answered. Amen. The most important prayer request that I had in my life, God answered it. And it was God who did it. And I got a few more. I'm not saying, hey, don't, don't stop, God. <laughs> I got one down, 99 to go, right? So let's lift your hand. Think about this morning. I want you to think, what is the most important thing to you? It could be a, the salvation of a child or a parent or a loved one. It, it could be something like that. It could be something real spiritual. It can be something real natural. You see, with God, He don't. He, you know, farms are important to God. Land's important. Whatever is in your heart that you believe that God has placed in you. 
just reach out to God and say, Lord, I, my, here's my hand. My hand is open to receive. You don't have to strive for it. You don't have to grasp for it. Just receive it. And Lord, we just receive, Lord, this morning. By faith, we receive that hundredfold blessing, Lord. Lord, if there's repentance that needs to take place in folks' life, Lord, reveal it to them. That they could dig out the wells of their fathers, Lord. That may be stopped up with the dirt of the world. Lord, let us do that. But Lord, we want to receive from you right now, Lord. Every person in this room who really believes in Lord. And ones who don't have the faith, Lord, you'll give them faith. Lord, it's no pressure. It's nothing bad. It's just receiving. That's what it's all about, Lord. We receive from you today, Lord. Let's just take a moment and just say to the Lord, you know, you can say it silent. You can say it out loud. I don't care what you do. Just say, Lord, I receive. And you start filling the blank. Fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. Fill in the blank in your life. I receive whatever it is. I receive your promises, Lord, that you've made over my life, your prophetic promises. I receive them today. Lord, I receive the salvation of that loved one. Lord, I receive that property, that land. Lord, I receive that, those finances. Lord, I receive that raise. I receive that job, Lord God. Lord, I receive, Lord, that gift to pay my home off. Lord, I receive that gift to, to bear to pay for my children's education. Uh, that's right, Lord. I received that husband. I received that wife this morning that I don't have. Lord, I received the salvation of the husband or the wife. Hallelujah. Lord, I just received these things this morning, Lord. Lord, I receive a, a friendship that I may not have. Get rid of this loneliness in my life, Lord. Hallelujah. I receive it, Lord. I receive it, Lord. Lord, I receive that ministry that has been spoken over my life for years that I have tried and tried to get into, but I couldn't get into. I receive it today, Lord. I quit trying. I give up. I just receive it, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, I receive that presence of God that I so desire. In my home, Lord. In my job, Lord. In my church, Lord. I receive that. Lord, I receive from my church, Lord, this morning, whatever you have, Lord, the, the, the callings of my church, Lord. I receive them for the church, Lord. I receive the help that you'll send, Lord. I receive the finances. Lord, I receive the gifts of the Spirit. I, re I receive the new thing that you want to do this morning. I receive it, Lord. Receive. It's just a matter of reception. Lord, we're receptors this morning. We're receptors. Lord, here we are. We're, Lord, I believe one time you said you don't want to fill empty cups. You want empty cups. Well, we empty ourselves right now and say, let the Spirit of God come in in a bigger way. In a greater way in our life. We empty ourselves, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, that healing. Lord, for those who need to receive healing, raise your hand this morning to the Lord. And just receive healing from the Lord. It's a gift. It is really a truly a gift. Healing. Lord, heal. Release the healing anointing. Right now, in Jesus' name. Lord, that by your stripes we are healed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Just receive that from God. Uh, if, okay, deliverance from sin. Maybe you got a, uh, you know, you're bound in sin. Lord, I release, I received that release this morning. I received your grace not to sin anymore. To walk away from sinful things, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Lord, we as a nation receive the gift of those POWs being released, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
And Lord, we just choose right now to humble ourselves to you. This is not about the United States of America. It has nothing to do with us, Lord. This has everything to do with what you want to do. And Lord, we declare the gospel message to be released to the Iraqi people. That there would be a, a word of salvation that would be released over there and that would spread like wildfire. And those people would know true freedom. Not just political freedom, Lord. Not just governmental freedom, Lord, but true freedom in the Spirit, Lord. Lord, we declare the gospel to be released to the whole Mideast, Lord. To the whole Mideast, Lord. To all of them, Lord. To the, to the Jews, to Israel. They need to get saved, Lord. We ask you to save Israel, Lord. Save Iraq. Save Iran. Save Saudi Arabia. All those people, Lord. Save them, God. Amen, Lord. Lord, they may be, they may be. Uh, descendants of Ishmael, but they are nevertheless loved by the Father. Nevertheless. Yes, you created them. You allowed it, Lord. You didn't create them for no reason, Lord. You created them to show them how much you love them. And show them, even in our folly, even in our mistakes, that you are a redemptive God. And we thank you for that. Bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, I just pray for a gift of faith for people in this room this morning. Just a gift of faith to be released to people for things, for specific things. And Lord, I pray that in even the faith that we have already, that mustard seed, that it would be activated in our life. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. Let's give the Lord a hand. One thing the Lord wants to do is release gift of prophecy. Anybody want the gift of prophecy this morning? Raise your hand. Lord, we ask you for the gift of prophecy to be released. This is the spirit of prophecy to come on the church, Lord. That the church will be a prophetic voice in the world, Lord. See, what the Lord wants to do is He wants prophetic ministry in the church, but He wants it released into the world, too. That's, they need it out there. And you can go into the world and you don't have to say, Thus saith the Lord or any of that to prophesy. You can prophesy to people in conversation. You hear what I'm saying to you? It doesn't matter. If it's God's Word, if it's coming in a conversation, it's going to have the same effect as if somebody was preaching it or, you know, saying the Lord is saying. You know what I'm saying? So we need to get bold as lines and let God speak through us to the world out there because they need it desperately. They need to hear what God's got to say to them. And another thing uh, that I was thinking about this week, I was thinking again about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, Abraham was the father then you had Isaac, who was really a transitional man. And then you had Jacob. Okay? And Jacob, you know, if you look in the Bible, it never says, I can never find in the Bible, is this statement, the God of Isaac. He never says that. He always says the God of Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. You know, he puts them together. He says the God of Abraham. He says the God of Jacob. But it seems like Isaac sort of, it's almost like Isaac's sort of a sandwich guy. And, you know, we have a whole Jacob generation out there backsliding all the time, messed up all the time. And it's, it's a younger generation, really, honestly, that, that continuously to fall, you know, come towards God and fall back, come towards God and fall back. And I believe the Isaac generation is to pass along the gift that Abraham gave Isaac, to pass it to Jacob. And I believe that is really critical for us to understand that God really is, is, is calling out to the Jacobs of this world. 
He's calling out to them. And if you're a Jacob this morning, he's crying out to you. And I, I re- remind you of what happened to Jacob in the Scripture. He met God. And he had a, a match with God. And, of course, God won. And <clears throat> that's your destiny. You know, God's going to win. Go ahead and surrender right now. <laughs> throw, the wife, you know, throw up the white flag. I give up. <laughs> you win, Lord. Because he's going to win anyway. And, but I do believe, I want to encourage us, uh, I believe God has called us as Isaacs. I believe the generation before us had something greater in God than we're presently experiencing. I really think so. I think they had some things in God we just haven't experienced. But I believe what God wants to do is for us to help the next generation into the things of God. Into the things of Abraham, our father. Do y'all understand what I'm talking about? And so I pray God will give us an anointing to do that, an empowerment to do that. And this is what has to end in your life, this thing about what's in it for me. You hear what I'm saying to you? That will get you nowhere in God's economy. And when you start looking to others, and this is the truth, God has a heart for the younger generation. He really does. And I can't, you can't argue with that heart. You can't combat that heart, whether you like it or not. And I believe when we get this attitude, well, gosh, you know, what's in it for me, we've missed the Lord. And I believe if we'll have a heart for others, and I, I believe in particular for the younger generation, but we need to have a heart for the olders and all that also. I'm not disqualifying any of that, but I'm just trying to say that's what God's doing. So what do we have to argue with God about? If God's doing that, we should join Him in it. Amen? So that's just my exhortation. Are you all okay? Somebody say, I'm okay. Good. I want you to turn your Bible to Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40. This is, I've been wanting to give you this message for a long time now. It seems like I never can get around to doing it. But Isaiah 40, is, I believe, is a very prophetic chapter in the Bible. Okay? I believe that God uh, has something to say to us today in Isaiah 40. As a matter of fact, I've been studying Isaiah 40 for months, and every time, I, every time I read it, I get something new out of it. But here's something about the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah has 66 chapters, right? Y'all know that? How many, Bible, how many books are in the Bible? All right, so this is what I believe. I believe the book of Isaiah, the book as a whole, is like a mini Bible within itself. Okay? If you study the structure of the book of Isaiah, the first 39 chapters really read like the whole Old Testament reads. It's full of judgment. It's full of the wrath of God. But then when you hit Isaiah 40, everything switches. It changes. There is some judgment on into other chapters, but everything changes. It changes from the judgment of God to the redemption of God. You know, one of the greatest chapters in the Bible about Christ in the Old Testament is what, Isaiah 53. You know, by his stripes we are healed. comes out of the book of Isaiah. In fact, there's such a contrast that some people, commentaries, theologians, whatever they call themselves, actually believe two people wrote the book of Isaiah. They believe one man wrote the first 39 chapter, and the last man wrote the last, was it 27? Is that right? Well, I don't believe that's right. I believe it's just that one part is prophetic Old Testament, 
That's the first 39 chapters. The second part is prophetic New Testament. You got that? So chapter 40 would be like the beginning of the New Covenant, prophetically. That it begins to declare a whole new prophetic picture. And this is back in the Old Testament. Now, this is what's so powerful about it. I believe, I mean, it is loaded when you begin to read. It is loaded with revelation of what God wants to do. Not only what He did with Christ, but what God wants to do today with the church. It's, it's, it's alive today. It's, it's, it's pertinent to, the day, to today, to our lives. And it's very clearly is speaking to our situation in life. And, of course, there's a famous verse in Isaiah 40, and that's the last one, is those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Everybody, y'all, everybody knows that. If you've been a Christian any time, you've heard that one slammed around. But it didn't, you know, that's at the end of The whole chapter is like that, honestly. So um, there's more in there than you could possibly, you know, share in 30 minutes or so. But what I did this morning, I, gave, I picked out like four key, key points out of Isaiah 40 just to sort of share with you so you can get sort of an overview of the book. All righty? Y'all with me? So that's what I want to share with you. I've got four, like four words. So I just want to read it, read, begin in verse 1. It says, <clears throat> the first word, num- word number one is comfort. Comfort. Everybody say comfort. Now let me read this. Comfort, yes, comfort my people. Chapter 1, verse 1. Or, yeah, verse 1, chapter 40. Says your God. See, that's where, it, that's where it begins. See, you had all 39 chapters of just whip them up, slam and jam, judge them, beat them up. You know, God's going to get you kind of stuff if you don't straighten up. Now, all of a sudden, God's saying something different. Comfort. Says your God, speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now, here's what's cool about that word comfort. The root word, the Hebrew word, root word means this. It means sigh of relief. That's what it means, sigh of relief. Have you ever had this situation in your life? I've had this happen to me many times. I had a bad dream, woke up, realized it was just a dream, and went, hmm. You ever had that? Like, whoo. Everybody go, hmm. That's what that word comfort means. That God wants to release a sigh of relief to people. Okay, that's the first thing we need to see about it. He wants to relieve people of burdens, of things in their life. Just like that dream that, you, that, you, that was really real to you until you woke up and then you realized, oh man, it was just a dream that wasn't true. <laughs> Thank God it's not true. Now, I want to help you with this. I want, you to, I want you to just for a moment hold your place in Isaiah 40 and I want you to turn over to Matthew 11. Okay, I want to read a couple of verses out of Matthew 11 that will sort of give you the ideal. Now, here's another thing. This is, this is great. Matthew 11, I believe Matthew, the whole chapter of Matthew 11 is parallel to Isaiah 40. I think, and it is packed with stuff. There is so much stuff in Matthew 11 that's incredible that I have never seen before, real, realistically, honestly. I mean, stuff you read for years, and suddenly you start seeing all this stuff in there. This, it's just incredible. This incredible stuff that God is saying that it really speaks to us. But all I want to do is read the famous one. This is like the those who wait on the Lord of Isaiah 40. We've all read this. It's in uh, Matthew 11. Um, where is it at? Oh, verse 28. At the end of it, too. It says, Come to me, all you who labor 
and are heavy laden, and I will give. Everybody say give. I will give you rest. Okay? Take my yoke upon you and learn. Everybody say learn. From me. And for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will what? Find. Everybody say find. Find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, here's the thing that used to throw me for, just flip me out. Verse 28, come to me and I'm going to give you rest. Great, 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 great. Then I read verse 29, then he starts talking about finding rest, learning about rest. It's thinking, you know, what is wrong with the Lord? He just gave it to me. What did he do? Take it away from him and now I've got to find it and, you know. But here's what I believe this means. Verse 28 is talking about our initial salvation experience. We come to the Lord and we find rest. We find rest from our sins. We find rest from the thing, you know, of having to earn our salvation, from having to get right with God. Suddenly God makes us right. We don't have to earn anything. We're made right with God, and God accepts us based on what Christ did. That's verse 29, verse 28. But verse 29 is a whole nother level that God wants to bring us into. Because you see, here's the thing. The majority of Christianity has stopped at verse 28. The majority of we found that rest of salvation. We know we don't have to do anything to get saved. We know that God is going to take us to heaven because of what Christ did on the cross, and we are satisfied with that. We don't think we've got to do anything to get to heaven. We really don't believe that. I hope you don't believe that. If you do, I need to hit you. Get you right. <laughs> we don't do nothing, and we have... We have concluded that to be factual. We have concluded that to be true. We have found it all over the Bible that we are saved this morning. No matter what, we're saved because of what Christ did. But that's where most of us stop. We're suddenly saved and now, but oh, I'm saved now. I've got to do something. Bad thought. The doing is not what really God's caused to. But there is this thing where He says, Take my yoke upon you. And if you'll take that yoke upon you, the yoke of Christ. You know what a yoke is? They used to plow in them days and they'd always use a couple ox. And the yoke was the wooden thing across them to keep them together. He said, take that yoke. In other words, he wants to yoke himself to us and us be yoked to him. And then we'll find this other rest that goes beyond mere salvation. It goes beyond, you know, getting to heaven. It go, it's talking about living your Christian life. It's talking about that sigh of relief that God has for us. In this day, in this age that we're living. He's talking about living your Christian life. And not being burdened and not being wore out by it. Not being tore up by it. Yet most of you in this room do not do that. As a matter of fact, most people in the church don't do that. There's a lot of desperate Christians out there. And when you begin to talk to people about the grace of God, about the rest of God, people listen to you. They really will listen to what you've got to say because people are hungry because they're wondering, why is my Christian life so difficult? Why is it so much hard, so hard for me to be a Christian? So they start listening. Some want to argue. They got all these yeah buts. Yeah but, yeah but, yeah but. When God began to speak to me about this, I had several years. Yeah, but God, what about this scripture? Yeah, but God, what, is it, what it says over there? And he's saying, what? Is this, this is either the truth or it's not. You know, even the devil used scriptures. You hear what I'm saying to you? So there's something greater for us. 
But it's not something we get just by coming to Christ. We come to Him and we yoke ourselves to Him. And we begin to experience that rest, that aspect of grace in our life by being divinely connected with the Lord. And walking with the Lord. And it's something that happens over a period of time. It's, there's a process that has to happen in your life. Where you walk with God and learn the ways of God. And as long as you stay connected with Him, you will have that rest. The burdens of life will not weigh you down. The burdens of Christianity don't weigh you down. Who needs more burdens? Let me ask you, do you need any more burdens than you've already got just living? I mean, do you want your Christianity to be a burden to you? Well, that's stupid. And we've lived like that. And you, some of you in this room live like that. And it's the truth. And you need to admit to yourself it's the truth. That you and your heart are fed up with Christianity. And you should be. But that's what it takes to come to this place where you find rest. Is to get fed up with it and get tired of it being the same way it's always been. And that's the truth. And you will come around that mountain so many times and come back to the same place over and over. Oh man, you know, you'll have an experience with the Lord. It'll be wonderful. You'll be blessed. You'll be up here. But guess what happens? And you'll be back down there. And you'll be messed up again. You'll say, why, God? Why? And he's going to say, because it's you. It's not me. The experience was me, but you try to keep it going. You try to live it out yourself. You try to do it. Therefore, you get bored and you get tired. Are y'all with me? Well, I have a lot of passion about this. Here's what's going on in the church. I've said this before. The church is great at telling people what to do. Heck yeah, we're good at it. You need to be reading the Bible. You need to be praying. You need to be coming to church. You need to be giving tithes. You need to be, you need to be a missionary. You need to be prophesying. You need to do these things. There's a truth you do. I'm not going to tell you you don't. You don't need to be cussing. You don't need to getting drunk. Stop smoking pot. Quit doing drugs. Act nice. It is a big one. That's the truth, but we forget to tell people this is how you do it. The Bible has an answer. So the church tells everybody what they need to do. We've got we're experts. Then you start telling people, this is how this thing works, they think. That gone. I've had people say, I've never really heard that before. They think, where in the world? What's wrong with us? These are sincere Christian people that don't know how to live the Christian life. They're sincere Christian people that...